James chapter 1. <clears throat> James chapter 1. We're going to get started back in that. We kicked this message off this morning and uh, we're going to go ahead and finish it out tonight. <clears throat> James chapter 1, talking about reaching your potential. Reaching your potential, my God given potential, your God given potential, and uh, just talking about some things that we need, just some <clears throat> things we have to do in order to reach that God given potential. All right, James chapter 1, beginning in verse 1. We're going to read through verse 4. <clears throat> For some reason, my voice is just going crazy all of a sudden. It was doing perfectly fine till <clears throat> just a few minutes back. But anyway, we'll work through it. If I just yell loud enough, I'll blow the pipes out and everything will be fine. <laughs> Maybe if I just sing a chorus or something and really let it rip. <clears throat> you know, that, that helps me a lot. Sometimes people say, my voice is shot. Uh, now, of course, I know some can't help it, but, you know, if you got really issues, but, man, sometimes you just got to get it cleared out. You got to let it rip, you know. <clears throat> so anyway, that's usually what happens to me, okay? So anyway, James chapter 1, verse 1, the Bible says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad, greeting. My brethren, count it all joy when ye fall into divers temptations, knowing this, that the trying of your faith worketh patience. But let patience have her perfect work, that ye may be perfect and entire, wanting nothing. <clears throat> now we had said that these particular saints were experiencing tremendous persecution. And of course we know that persecution would not be pleasant, especially this kind of persecution. I mean, they were enduring physical persecution. They were being tracked down and they were being thrown into prison in many cases. They were struggling with just trying to make it day by day. And yet we see here that the writer of this particular book, James, he's saying to them, oh, by the way, um, not only do you embrace this persecution, but you ought to be thankful for it. I mean, that's crazy. I mean, it's like, are you kidding me? I mean, how's that possible? You're to embrace it and to appreciate it. And it's like, wow, I mean, come on now. All these things that are going on? Yes, indeed. And why is that, we said? Well, because the struggle is molding and it's making them everything God would have them to be. 
It's helping them, if you will, to reach their God-given potential. And we said too many times as believers we get stuck on the immediate and we fail to see the end game. And if we fail to see the end game, if we don't understand the overall picture and what God intends to do in the long haul, we get discouraged and often even fail to recognize God in the midst of the problems we're in. <clears throat> so we ask the question, are you reaching all of your God-given potential? Am I reaching all of my God-given potential? And uh, <clears throat> we talked about Michelangelo or, uh, and how he uh, had carved 40 different statues and only 14 of those were ever finished. And there were so many of those that were left unfinished. And we said that as a believer, sometimes that's how we are. I mean, in the, there's so many talents and there's so many abilities that are locked away within us. And God wants to tap those resources and he wants to bring them out of us and he wants us to become everything he intended us to be. He wants us to reach our full potential. But so many times we fall so short and many times it's because we fail to even try. God has a, he's called us to a much higher plane than we can even imagine. And so we talked about reaching our God-given potential. And we said it begins by number one, being saved. You have to be saved if you want to reach your God-given potential. We said, first of all, you're, you know, we, we are new creatures. Second, we have the new man. And third, we said, we're never alone. I mean, you, you can't possibly become everything God wants you to be until you become that new creature that he intended you to be. The Bible says that he's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And the fact is, is that until we do come to Jesus Christ, recognizing ourselves as the sinners we are and the Savior that he is, we can never truly reach our potential, our God-given potential. Being saved, we said. Number two, Reaching your God-given potential begins by realizing your need for growth, we said. Realizing your need for growth. We talked about 2 Peter 3.18, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. And so we began to address that issue, and we realized that God intends us to grow, and He expects us to grow, and if we don't grow, then we're failing to reach our God-given potential. And if we're really going to ever reach our God-given potential, we must realize that growth is part of the process and we have to be very aware that there's a need for it in our life. I mean, being confident of this very thing that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it till the day of Jesus Christ, we said. Therefore, God obviously sees the need for us to grow. And if God sees the need for us to grow, then there must be one. And we said, who's right, God or us? Well, it's always God that's right. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter what we believe. The truth is God's always right. We can always trust God to do the right thing and say the right thing and tell us exactly what we need to hear. So in this case, we know we need to grow. That rhymes even. <clears throat> okay, so let's go ahead and move on then. So we've mentioned and we talked about these two thoughts. We said reaching your God-given potential begins by being saved. It begins by realizing your need for growth. And then number three, as we continue, 
It begins by mastering the basics. Mastering the basics. If you're ever going to reach your God-given potential, if I'm ever going to reach my God-given potential, I've got to master the basics. You just have to do that. In 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2, go ahead and turn there, would you please? <clears throat> again, we spent some time in Peter this morning, and I want to still spend a little time, because again, we're given such a wonderful parallel in the scriptures, a parallel between the physical life in which we live and the spiritual life that we've been born into. Notice what it says here in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. <clears throat> he says, as newborn babes... Desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Let's pray. Father, in these next few minutes, speak to our hearts and encourage us. May we, Father, be inspired and encouraged to grow and to reach our full potential for you, our God-given potential. Lord, we desperately need you now. We just pray for your leadership. We'll give to you the glory and the honor for all things. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So, again, as newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. Now, in this particular passage, I think sometimes we uh, may overlook some of the significance of it, but I'm convinced that Peter is speaking not only to the child of God that's been saved and, and um, just been saved, but to the child of God that has been saved, to every believer here. <clears throat> He's pointing out that all of us, must desire and long for the most fundamental and basic truths of God's Word, I believe. See, it's in learning and mastering the basics that you will ultimately grow. You will never, ever go any further than your foundation permits. And it's important that we master the basics if we're ever going to truly reach our God-given potential. We talk about Matthew chapter 7, and we see the man that builds his house on sand, and we see the man who builds his house on the rock. And when the rain and the storm and the wind comes, we see that that house that's built on sand crumbles. Why? Because there's no real foundation for which it stands upon. And the fact is today is that if you're going to reach your God-given potential, if I'm going to reach my God-given potential, then we're going to have to literally master the basics. We have to build a very secure, solid foundation in our Christian life. He's pointing out that every one of us must desire. I mean, we must long for the fundamentals and the basics for those very truths of the Word of God. Again, because that's where the learning and the mastering of the basics, those are the things that ultimately bring us to growth. He says it right in the passage. As newborn babes, desire the sincere milk of the Word that ye may grow thereby. If you do not desire the sincere milk of the Word, if you have grown weary of that sincere milk of the Word, if you're bored with the sincere milk of the Word, then I fear that you may have stopped growing. <clears throat> I don't know about you, but it bothers the life out of me when people get tired of hearing about salvation. I don't know why, but that bothers me. I'm not saying that we need to preach on it every single service in the church, but are you kidding me? You mean the blood of Christ doesn't excite you? You're talking about the resurrection doesn't fire you up? Are you kidding me? 
It's amazing. Well, we're so shallow here. What in the world's wrong? When you don't get excited about the sincere milk of the word, you aren't growing. Because you can't move on to something else till you've mastered that. And may I say, I dare say that most of us would do real well at having some kind of remedial training in the fundamentals. <clears throat> the next time we grow weary of the fundamentals, the basics, I will, or the, the milk, let me just say this. Give three or four scriptures for each of those simple, basic, fundamental doctrines and share them without looking them up in the back of your Bible. You say, well, I couldn't do that now. Then you don't know them. It's amazing how much we believe ourselves to know that we don't know. If you can't teach it, you don't know it. That's a biblical, that's a truth. You say, well, I could never teach somebody, you know. Well, then you don't know it well enough. Because God intends us to do that, doesn't he? I mean, we're going to see that here in a moment. Mastering the basics. If we're going to reach that God-given potential, then we've got to master the basics. And as believers, the Bible says we've been birthed into the body of Christ and in the family of God. Once again, God's painting a picture for us to view and to ultimately learn from. See, as, as born-again believers, we're described in the Bible as newborn babes. I mean, when you hear that phrase, newborn babes, I believe it paints a very vivid picture in our minds. We see a mother holding a helpless little child. Man, I love that on our prayer list, there are a number of ladies in the church that are having babies. I love babies. Babies are new life. Babies are exciting. Babies point to growth. Babies are about what, what the church is all about, whether it's physical babies or spiritual babies. Baby, bring it on. It's good stuff. But when you hear that newborn babes, you do, you get an image in your mind. And you see that mama holding that helpless newborn. There's little doubt that newborns are cute and most of the time they're even very cuddly. Most of the time. But let me just say this, and you know it to be true, they're not very helpful around the house. The truth is the newborns are a lot of work and they occupy much if not all of mom and dad's time. And as a child grows, however, they require less time. As a child grows, less demand on mama's time, dad's time. God never intended that believers remain babies in Christ, but that they grow consistently. And in growing consistently, they will demand less attention and contribute to the family as intended. There is not a baby in the world that contributes a whole lot other than a mess. Now listen, I know, oh, they bring so much love. We don't even know if they love us yet. I know that they do want us to baby them, though, because they're always wanting you to hold them and cuddle them and take care of them and feed them. You say, well, if my baby couldn't do without me, let's be honest. Let's just be honest. Our children don't remember certain things. I mean, if two years later, a year later, Somebody else could step in and become mama, become daddy, and that child probably would never know the difference. I mean, I'm not trying to be mean. I'm not trying to be nasty, but the reality is that child's going to be okay. They show a mother that loves them, a daddy that cares. They're going to be okay. They'll make it. I don't know why I'm telling you that, but obviously I need to say something about it. I just got in hot water with some of you mothers. 
I guess what I'm going to say, I'm going to say something now, and it's probably, it's not on script. But if your identity is found only in being a mother to your child, you better deal with that because if you won't be a mother the rest of your life. Just, i just throwing that out there for good measure. You better identify what your real purpose for existing is. Being a mother is a big part of it early on, but that's not the only reason you exist. By the way, there's a husband in your home, I hope. And number two, that child will grow up, leave you, and if all you did is base your whole life around your children, then my friend, you'll be a very depressed older woman. I'm just telling you. <laughs> We're just, we see a lot of that today. Because we've mixed up what our purpose is for really existing in this life. We've lost what our God-given purpose is. Nonetheless, uh, let me know. I'm getting off script. I don't want to get too far off script. Instead of requiring others to bear their burdens then as they grow, they're equipped and capable of bearing one another's burdens. And that's exactly what God intended us to do. So in 1 Peter 2, 2, as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that she may grow thereby. It all begins with mastering the basics. So what are the basics? Well, first of all, doctrine. Now, doctrine is not a big deal. Doctrine is what you've been taught. It's what you've been taught. It's the teachings of Christ and the apostles specifically. It's doctrine. It's the teachings. In 1 Timothy 4, 13 and 16, let's go ahead and turn over there. 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter four. All right, we're going to look at chapter four, starting in verse 13. Notice what it says. It says, "Till I come, give attendance to reading, to exhortation, to doctrine." Now when he says this word "attendance to," Paul is telling Timothy to give great attention to, regard for, an application of what he's been taught. That's what he's basically saying. He's saying, till I come, till I ultimately am in your presence, you give attendance to reading, to exhortation, and to doctrine. Now, that means what you've been taught, that you need to really pay attention to it. Don't take it lightly, pay attention to it. Regard that thing. Consider it high and important and lift it up, so to speak. And then apply that stuff. In 1 Timothy 4, 16, he goes on to say, Take heed to the, unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them. Watch this. For in doing this, thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Now notice again, he says to take heed unto thyself. And unto the doctrine. That word heed means to keep an eye out. Exercise caution, if you will, and care in order to avoid danger. Listen, doctrine, this fundamental basic doctrines will protect you and it will ultimately help you to give advice to others that are in desperate need, that are headed down the wrong path, that are going the wrong direction, that ultimately end up in the wrong place. So he says to us, Till I come, give attendance to doctrine. He says, take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. And you say, wow. That sounds like it's pretty important. It is. And can I tell you one reason why it's super duper, super duper important? 
because of 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3. Because the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. Now, there's coming a day when the believer's not going to hear sound doctrine. And I think we're already getting there. I'm convinced of it. I think if you'd go back 100 years and talk to preachers, they'd go, yep, we see evidence of that already. Any preacher that says he doesn't see evidence of it has his eyes closed. Any Christian that doesn't see evidence of it has their eyes closed. I'm telling you that we better pay attention to doctrine. If you want to literally reach your full potential for Christ, then you need to be grounded in those fundamental basic doctrines. This idea that you've got to know every little detail of the Word of God and that that's the most important thing in the world, uh uh-uh. You want to know what the most important thing about this book will be? That you learn what you learn well and you can apply what you've learned. I don't care how much of it you know, it's how much of it you live that makes the difference. And therefore, this fundamental basic mastering of these, this doctrine, this fundamental doctrines, those are important if you're going to reach your full potential. I'm going to move on. Have you mastered the basics? Mastered them. I wouldn't move on until I mastered them. Paul's admonishing Timothy to lift up that sound doctrine while there's hope. Look, if you would, in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11 through 14. We're going to learn the truth. Now, again, we talk about doctrine. We're talking about learning the truth. Mastering the basics. Learn the truth. That's what we're talking about. You will never, ever reach your full potential for Christ if you don't learn the truth. If I don't learn the truth, where do we learn that truth? I think it's wonderful what we're going to find here. It's so important. Ephesians 4, 11 through 14. And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come in the unity of faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro, and carried about with every wind of doctrine, by the slight of men, and cunning craftiness, wherein whereby they lie in wait to deceive. Paul reminds the Ephesians of God's solution to the problem of this potential for missing the fundamentals or overlooking the fundamentals and even being led astray from the fundamentals. You cannot reach your full potential for Christ if you don't have that solid foundation of basic doctrine. And where do you get it? Right in the house of God is a good place to start. That's a good place, according to the Bible, that is. First of all, in this passage, you see the gift. In verse 11, you know what the gift is? The man of God. The man of God is the gift in the passage. He says, and he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. When you give something to someone, you're giving them a what? A gift. Guess what? The pastor or the man of God is a gift. 
Notice verse 12 through 13. Why? What's the goal? It's perfection, perfecting the saints. Notice this, it's production. Notice this, it's protecting. Again, you see that for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, that's production. For the edifying of the body of Christ, building up the body, why? For the protecting of the body. You're not built up for the sake of just simply growing and getting a big head and thinking, you know a lot, and boy, am I sturdy in my knowledge and my growth. No, 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 this is about the local church. It always is. Can I tell you, God wants the church to be protected. He wants the family and the body of Christ to be protected. From what? Those false teachers that we just read about. That's what the whole point of learning these fundamental doctrines and going on even beyond those. It's so that we're strong enough to withstand the, 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 the onslaught of Satan and the, the winds and the waves of change in our world so that we're not carried away with every wind and wave of doctrine. Finally, verse 14, as it mentions here, we see the gift, the goal, and now we see the good of it all. We aren't like children anymore. We're not like children. I don't know about you, but you can get a child to say anything or do anything virtually. I don't know about, I, I can, you see it, well, you, you know, do you want an ice cream cone? Sure. Let me ask you something. Do you like, do you like ice cream? Yeah. Do, do, you, do you like chips? Yeah. Do you like, do you like uh, going to church? Yeah. Do you like jumping off bridges? Yeah. Do you like wrecking your car? Yeah. Kids will say yes to anything. And the Bible's trying to help us understand that if you're a child and you're Christian growth, you're still a babe, if you will, then my friend, let me tell you something. The sad part is, the reality is, you just may be very prone to doing and being anything and everything somebody else wants you to be instead of what God intends you to be. Be very careful. So know what you believe about salvation. Fundamental, basic doctrine. Know what you believe and know what, why you believe it. Eternal life. Baptism. About witnessing. The necessity of church in your life. God-ordained authority in the home, the church, and government. Understand what it's about. Get a feel for it. Get a handle on it. Why? It's absolutely essential that you and I, if we're going to reach our God-given potential, master the basics. And it begins with doctrine. But also discipline. Not only learn the truth, but live the truth. See, be quick to obey God and his word. In James 1.22, he says, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. That's an interesting statement, deceiving your own selves, isn't it? Have you ever deceived yourself? You know, you met that guy or girl, and you convinced yourself they were the perfect one, and just about two weeks later, you realized they weren't? You deceived yourself. And sadly enough, the devil's good at getting us to deceive ourselves in these areas as well. Be doers of the word, not hearers only, he said. Be willing to follow the pastor and faithful members of the church. Turn to Hebrews chapter 13, verse 7. Remember the pastor's a gift. God's man's a gift to us, to the church. These are things that they say you have to have evangelists come in and say. But the Bible says it, so I think we ought to talk about it. 
Hebrews 13, verse 7. The Bible says, remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. Watch their lives, their actions, and see where it leads them. Verse 17, obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. Now listen, it's important that we understand these things. Again, discipline. It's not enough to simply know the truth. we got to live the truth. So learn it, yes, but live it. Be sensitive to God's Spirit. Galatians, oh wait, go back to Hebrews 10, 24. Hebrews 10, 24, I'm sorry, I skipped on one aspect of it. I said, follow the pastor and faithful members of the church. I want you to notice what that means in Hebrews 10, 24. We like 10.25, forsaking not the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another and so much the more as you see the day approaching. But notice what it says in verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love and to good works. See, that's the responsibility of every believer in this room, to provoke one another. But not to provoke to anger or upsetting, but to love and to good works. And then be sensitive to God's spirit. In Galatians 5.25, if we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Now, when we fail to obey, here's what happens. We feel conviction. We face conflict and confusion. We find chastening. And we forfeit contentment. Those are all things that happen when we find ourselves in a position where we fail to live the truth. And this thought leads us to our final basic in the need of mastering. Delight. Not only do we need to learn the truth, live the truth, but we need to love the truth. Again, we're talking about those fundamentals, mastering the basics. And there ought to be a part of you and me that wants to so much learn the Word of God and and even the basics and begin then to build upon the basics. To really master those things and then be able to say, man, now it's time to dig a little deeper. Now it's time to build a little higher. Now it's time to... Exactly, that's how it ought to be. But delight. Love the truth. You know, there's joy and delight that comes with Christ's presence in the life of a believer. There really is. And that joy will remain as long as we love the truth. Although the truth can sting and even cut to the heart if, love, if we love it now. If it's loved, it'll both be appreciated and accepted. And when joy is missing in our lives, one's attitude toward truth is most often the culprit. You say, well, I don't get that. Well, Psalm chapter 119, verse 165. Let's look at it. 119, verse 165. Notice what it says. It says, great peace have they which love thy law. Great peace have they which love thy law. Notice what it says in the final portion, and nothing shall offend them. Nothing shall offend them. We should not be an offended people. 
Man, we love the truth, right? We, we live our lives in the truth. We, why in the world are we so offended? Why are we always so miserable? We have great peace, right? We love the truth. We have a hope that the world doesn't have. We have a Savior that lives in us. We've got the Word of God to back every belief that we have and be able to say, this is why I say what I say, do what I do. You don't agree with it? Well, let me show it to you. Man, we, can, we don't need to be anything but delightful. Loving the truth. Loving the truth will ensure a delight that will rule the day and bring rest at night. But when we get outside of that truth, things aren't as sweet anymore. When we cease to grow, when we cease to master those basics, when we begin to step back from that, it's going to be rough sailing. So we need to master the basics. If we're ever going to reach our potential, that means learning the truth, living the truth, and loving the truth. Finally, we're going to note that if we're going to reach our full potential for Christ, we have to make spiritual growth a priority. Now, we've already talked about a couple of things. We said, one, we got to be saved. Two, we need to realize our need for growth. Three, we need to master the basics if we're going to reach our full potential for Christ. And finally, now, we've got to make spiritual growth a priority. Now, nothing happens by chance in life. I mean, do we believe that God is on the throne or don't we? And, and here's the thing, you know, I know we, we you know, well, I'm going to go to, uh, I'm going to go to, well, not so much Atlantic City anymore, but I'm going to go out to Las Vegas and I'm going to, I'm going to go ahead and roll the dice and hopefully by chance I'll strike it big. There's nothing by chance. It's not really a game of chance. Not if you believe there's a God in heaven that controls. Not if you believe there's a God on this earth, little G God, who is also controlling things. One of the others pulling the strings. No student failing to study wakes up and suddenly knows all the answers to the test. It doesn't just happen. Not just anybody can enter an operating room and perform brain surgery. Only those who have been prepared through many years of training. It doesn't just happen. Good marriages and happy homes don't just happen. They don't just happen. You don't just wake up one day and, wow, I'm a great husband, I'm a great wife, and our home's so happy. That doesn't just happen. Reaching your potential will not just happen. You've got to strive to reach it on purpose. You've got to make it a priority in your life. And so do I. So what does that mean? Well, you need to schedule growth moments. You've got to schedule growth in your life. Moments in your life that lead to growth. For instance, you ought to be in Sunday school. You want to grow, you want to reach your full potential for Christ, be in Sunday school. Why, you say? Because again, you've got to master the basics. Now, sometimes in Sunday school, we go beyond the basics, but even if we never did, master them. Because only in mastering the basics will you ever reach your full potential. You got to grow. 
if you want to reach your full potential. And attending Sunday school is a good way to start. Read, write, and search the scriptures. Don't just read it. I, I, what I love, about, I love about discipleship is that in discipleship, we take the time to write scripture. Why do we write scripture? Because it forces us to slow down. It forces us to really have to think about what we're looking at. I, I don't know about you, but I have so often got started on a chapter, got to the end of the chapter and thought, what did I just read? You've never, you've never been there? I have. I've been there a lot. Man, discipleship causes us to stop and say, okay, write this phrase out to the comma, boom, boom. Now the next phrase to the comma, boom. Right now the next phrase to the colon, boom. Right to the next phrase to the, to the period, and then the next sentence. And you're, the whole time, you're reading it, you're looking at it, you're dwelling and thinking about it, you're writing it, it's all working. The senses are all involved. And man, I'm telling you what, there's something about that that just gets down into the soul. Most of us will never take any other step than just reading our Bibles. I read my Bible this morning. Okay, wh what did you read? Here's, here's, I think it was over in chapter 3 of such and such. Well, that's good. I'm glad you at least think so. And then what did you read about? Well, I was reading about, if it isn't a story, we kind of like, well, you know, just about God and all that. You know what I'm talking about, right? Now, listen, I, I'm not saying, you don't have to read 20 chapters a day to reach your full potential unless God tells you to read 20 chapters a day. But we do need to remember and understand what we're reading and then be able to take that truth and begin to internalize that truth and ultimately live that truth. Reading, writing, and searching the scriptures, going beyond simply reading it. Memorize the Bible. Man, you ought to include memorization in your routine, your, your consistent daily routine or your weekly routine. Do you memorize at least one scripture a week? Do you try to memorize one scripture a week? Are you trying to reach your full potential for Christ? You say, well, I don't think you have to hide the word of God in your heart to reach your full potential. I don't know, but the Bible does say that you hide the word of God in your heart. Why? That you will not sin against him. I don't know about you, but I think not sinning against God's a real good thing to get started if you want to reach your full potential. Amen. Again, I, I'm just saying, I know, oh, I, don't I don't memorize like I used to. I can't remember. I know. I went on vacation this year, and I had a goal of learning like 14 or 15 verses. Man, I only got through eight of them. My wife, she's flying through stuff. She's like, I don't have a good memory. And I'm thinking, man, you got a lot better one than I got. I mean, I'm walking for miles and miles trying to lay this stuff down in my head. I've got all kind of tracks up and down the beach, but there ain't nothing staying in the brain. But you know what? It, you never, ever learn the scriptures. You'll never memorize them if you don't try. But I'll tell you what, if you want to reach your full potential for Christ, it's a good place to, to go. Memorizing the, the Bible. Share your faith. Share your faith. Schedule growth moments. Share your faith. Go out soul winning. Put yourself in awkward positions. Require yourself to have to learn something and to understand something and be able to share something very uh, competently. Remember we said that until you can teach it, you really don't know it. You need to get to the point where you understand the gospel so well you can teach it to others. 
Not only then will you have confidence that you know it, but you'll have confidence that you can help others. That's, that's reaching our full potential because the Bible says that we're to be witnesses in this world. Spend time in prayer. I'll be honest with you, it probably would do you and I well to have prayer journals. To write down what we're praying about so that we can hold God accountable, so to speak, and ourselves. Too many times we fail to recognize the the answers to prayer that God's giving. We've forgotten what we've started praying for and we wonder why they're never answered. Maybe it's because you have not, because you ask not. And then sometimes it's because we just stop asking. Man, we want to grow. We want to reach our full potential. And the spiritual life that we live is rooted in the Word of God and in prayer. And if we don't on purpose pray, if we don't on purpose dig into the Scriptures and learn about the Master, Jesus Christ, and memorize and and really just saturate ourselves with Scripture, meditating upon it, we're not going to reach our full potential. Then serve in the local church. Get plugged in. Man, I'll tell you what, when, when you have to prepare lessons, when you got to get ready to go out and meet parents and deal with children and work in the ministry like that, it's good, man. It, it's helpful to you. It stretches you. Seek out good reading materials in our bookstore. Go ask Miss Liz, about, hey, what's a good book I could read that would encourage me in my Christian walk, my life, my faith journey? Take notes and then go review the notes later and look up the scriptures again. Take time to figure it out. You know where the big breakdown is in discipleship? Most people never take the time to look up the scriptures like they should. We skim over things too much. And you know what? Too much. And we do that in our Christian lives too, by the way. We assume we know something we don't know. Make spiritual growth a priority. Schedule growth moments. By the way, be careful. Here's the second part. Growth itself is not the goal. Growth is not the goal. Hold on. You say, what do you mean? Well, you've heard it said you can grow bitter or you can grow better. You can grow in either one of those, but that growth isn't the goal. Hold on. Wait a second. You may have heard about the man who was convinced that growth was necessary. He knew he had succeeded when he stepped on the scale and added 50 pounds. That's not the kind of growth we're looking for, I don't think. Now you can just, if growth is the goal, it may be good or bad. You don't, you got to be careful with that because you can grow and it not be good growth. When I say grow, you know, I'm, I'm trying to utilize a, a, a very common area of weight, but the truth is, is that spiritually you can pick up a lot of stuff you don't need to pick up along the way. Be careful because growth is not the goal. It's not the only goal. My mom, she, uh, years ago, I remember being seven and eight years old, and I've told this story before, but I think it's been quite a few years ago. 
But my, my mom, she wonderful lady, and she had all good intentions. But my, uh, my dad was coaching the, 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 the 9- and 10-year-old baseball team up the street. And uh, they were supposed to have a 7- and 8-year-old team that year. And, and it was right over here, matter of fact. It was, it was just up the street. It was right there with that old... Uh, right now, it's where the... Uh, if you take the back street up to Waterloo Road, there's the... Um, what's that? Uh, the, 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 the veteran's home now. There's a veteran's home. But back in the day, there was a road that went down there, and there were ball fields. And that's where I first learned how to play baseball. I was just seven years old. And my brother and I were on the team, but the coach never showed up. And so my mom, she decided to kind of keep all the kids together and did her best to train them in some baseball. And I still remember after going to practice for that week before the coach ever showed up, my mom was, man, she was teaching the kids baseball. The only problem was every boy in the crowd was thrown like this. I mean, every one of us. It's like, what in the world's going on? I mean, we were learning like crazy. We were growing in our knowledge of baseball, but it wasn't the right knowledge. And I appreciate the effort, Mom. <laughs> but we looked rather foolish on the field. <laughs> we have to ensure that it's biblical growth. I mean, doctrinally sound. Remember those, that mastering the basics? got to be right out of the Word of God. It's got to be fundamental. It's got to be foundational. It's got to be basic. Biblical growth. But it has to also be balanced growth. I remember as a member of a gym, I used to go to the gym a lot, obviously, and you can tell I still have the residual effects. <clears throat> One would say, what, you're talking about muscle mass? No, I'm talking about pain. But anyway... <laughs> So, I used to go to a place called the Muscle Gym. I mean, there was some serious weightlifters there. I mean serious weightlifters. And I had one time, I thought I was going to try out for Mr. Akron, you know. You know how it is, you know, you're a teenager. I'm going to work out, man, I'm going to be like Mr. Akron. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to really get buff. I was doing pretty good. But, you know, I was a little out of balance, just a little bit out of balance. I mean, man, I was, my biceps were growing. My triceps were getting cut. My traps were looking good. My lats, man, it was coming along well. Didn't know I knew all that, did you? But I was growing what we call disproportionately. I never worked out my legs. <laughs> I didn't have time for legs, man. I mean, I'm going to be Mr. Akron. <laughs> Girls don't care what your legs look like. All they want is a six-pack. And then be able to bounce your pecs around. <laughs> Balanced growth. Man, I'd watch those guys. They were a lot, lot, lot of them like me, man. I mean, they're over there pumping the iron, but their legs are all skinny. Like bird legs. 
all disproportionate, out of balance. And you know, the truth is, the believer can work real hard to learn the Bible, but neglect the obeying of it. They may go to all the services, but they never really get plugged in to ministry. They never take that next step in their Christian development to have a relationship with the Lord that overcomes the difficulties. I mean, they, they know the truths, but they don't always apply the truths. And may I say, we need to grow in a balanced way. Not a balanced growth, proportionate growth. Make spiritual growth a priority in your life. If you want to reach your full potential for Christ, you have to make spiritual growth a priority. You have to. He said reaching your full potential begins by being born again, then realizing your need for growth, mastering the basics, and making spiritual growth a priority. Bernard Shaw, he's an Irish playwright. His influence on the Western theater, talking about in the United States and the Western Hemisphere, on culture, politics, it extended from the 1880s till his death and beyond, and he died around 1950. He wrote more than 60 plays, including major works such as Man and Superman, Pygmalion, you may have heard of that one, you may not have if you're young, and St. Joan. Again, this guy lived years ago. Some have said that he is almost second to Shakespeare himself in his writings. I thought that's a little bit overzealous, but maybe they're right. Before he died at the age of 94, he played the what-if game, if you will. You say, what's that? Well, a reporter asked him, said, Mr. Shaw, if you could live your life over and be anybody you've known or any person from history, who would you be? That's a pretty good question. I would choose, Shaw replied, to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been but never was. Wow. I don't know about you, but that's, that's something. I mean, I would choose to be the man George Bernard Shaw could have been, but never was. One day, you and I, are going to stand before Jesus Christ at the judgment seat. And you know, honestly, the thought that will probably run through our minds more than any, and I know the Bible talks about the terror of the Lord. But I believe if we're not careful, we're going to feel just like Mr. Shaw did. We're going to regret not becoming the man we could have been, not becoming the woman we could have been as we stand before Jesus Christ. We're going to know that we didn't leave it all on the field. That we didn't give it our 100%.
Boy, that's going to be hard to handle when we realize there's no going back. Are you trying and striving to reach your full potential for Christ? Am I? It begins by being born again or saved, by realizing your need for growth, by mastering the basics, and by making spiritual growth a priority. Will you do that? Will you begin today to say, I'm going to reach my God-given potential. With your help, God, I'm going to do it. I'm not going to settle for just being a good enough Christian. I want to be everything and have everything you want for me. Father, we come to you. We thank you for just being our God. We thank you for loving us enough to save our soul and to indwell us and to be with us always. Thank you so much for that hope. Lord, may we not overlook the basics, the fundamentals. We take the time to really make growth a priority in our life. Because only in growing consistently will we ultimately reach our God-given potential. Oh, Father, if there be any that are without Jesus Christ in this room even tonight, we pray, Lord, that they would recognize the need to first come to Jesus as Savior. They have to first become that new creature in Christ. They need the indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit living in them. They need to know that You'll never leave them nor forsake them before they can possibly have the ability to reach their God-given potential. If they don't know for sure heaven's your, their home. Lord, may they settle it today by allowing someone to take a Bible and show them how they can know. They simply need to step out and do an aisle, Lord, and make their way here. So, Lord, give them the courage to do that even tonight as we begin the music in just a moment. For the believer, Lord, help us, Father, to make a decision to do our very best, filled with your Spirit, to reach our God-given potential. That we have no regrets one day when we stand before you at the judgment seat of Christ. We'll thank you in Christ's name. Amen. Let's all stand. Every head bowed.